0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Yeah, I'm glad everybody is here. We're going to be continuing on with our uh, lesson series this morning called Hang 10. That's 10 qualities that you can hang on to. And if you've not been here the, the first couple of weeks, we have had just an overwhelming response. From people about the the first two lessons in the series, and if you didn't get an opportunity to to listen to those, you can go to the website, ncctyler.org, and click listen, and you can listen to it from there, but uh, you can also come up here on Wednesday nights. We've got a very special Wednesday night um, activity going on, I guess you would say. We're taking the, the lesson, going a little bit deeper on Wednesdays, and then having a time of discussion about it. But once again, we've had such a, a really, really good response from uh, the first two lessons. In fact, last week, uh, after I spoke, the whole week, I just had so many people you know, texting me, calling me, coming in, and, and, and just saying how much they, they, they really enjoyed it. In fact, I had, um, I had several people say, that's probably the best message that you've ever preached. And I'm going like, great, there's no place to go but down Now. I mean, you know, where's everybody's expectations? That's why half the church is missing this morning. They're going, well, it's not going to get any better than that. (laughs) What's the use of going? (laughs) You know I'm teasing. All right. We are... Maybe I'm not teasing. You you, you saw that two-thirds of the singers didn't even show up this morning, right? We're going to be in John chapter 13 and Matthew chapter 12 this morning. If you've got a Bible iPad phone and you want to follow along, we'll start in John 13 and then we'll flip over to Matthew chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible or you just want to follow along with the scriptures, they will be right up here because our tech team is awesome. Yes, our tech team is awesome. So the scriptures will be right up there. I'm sorry they're not over here today today. Um, Roger was having problems in Dallas, and we were having problems up here on Friday night too. One of our projectors died, and until about 20 minutes before our conference started, we had nothing. It was we couldn't get anything, you know. Um, so we weren't exactly sure what we were going to do. People were freaking out, but thankfully, we got it all together. Hey, um, as always, I start with a story. There was a woman uh, whose name was Marion Mill, and she was born in 1919, yeah, a long time ago. She was born into a very wealthy family. Her parents were diplomats, uh, and in fact, she was born in a royal palace in Hungary, uh, you've heard the term born with a silver spoon in your mouth? Well, uh, Marion Mill, her, her first baby spoon literally was made of solid gold. That's how wealthy the family was that she was born into. In the early 1930s, she met and married a man named Otto Preminger. They moved to Hollywood, and he wound up being uh, a very famous and Oscar nominated director. Now, Marion was uh, uh, said to be a beautiful woman, a witty woman, a charming woman. So while Otto was out in the spotlight, she was also out in the spotlight. And she was known all over Europe in New York City and all over California as, uh, as this woman who would put on these elaborate parties and get-togethers and functions. And everybody wanted to be her friend because she just had these, these amazing, amazing parties and and get-togethers. Unfortunately, she wound up getting uh, addicted to alcohol and addicted to drugs, and she had several high-profile affairs, and her life started spiraling and getting so crazy that it was even too much for Hollywood, and her husband divorced her. Now, this sent Marion into a a really deep depression, so much so that uh, she attempted to take her life Three times. Now, after uh, the last suicide attempt, she moved to uh, Vienna, Austria, where she had some friends. And just through the course of time, just through the course of knowing people, she met a man named Dr. Albert Schweitzer who at the time was a world-renowned medical doctor, but he was also a theologian and a missionary. Now, he had started a hospital in the Congo in Africa. And Marion Mill was so fascinated by Dr. Schweitzer's uh, work that while he was home uh, on furlough from Africa, she spent a day every week for six months just going to talk to him about his work in Africa. So when Dr. Schweitzer was going back to Africa, she begged to be able to go along with him. So here is this world-renowned party girl. Here is this this person who was literally born in a palace, living in a small village in Africa. And she spent the rest of her life emptying out bedpans and making bandages for the poverty-stricken patients that they ministered to. Now, later in her life, she wrote an autobiography, and it was entitled, All I Want is Everything. All I Want is Everything. And she said in her book, there are two kinds of people. There are people that serve, and there are people that don't serve. And she thanked God that he had given her the opportunity to serve, because in serving... She found everything that she wanted. You see, over the last couple of weeks, we've been speaking somewhat in generalities, if you want to say it that way. We started this lesson series with, you got to have a passionate love for Jesus. You know, and if you're saved, even if your relationship is is cold, there's something on the inside of you that goes, yeah, 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 I need to love Jesus. I need to love Jesus. Jesus. But then we take the next step. Last week, we talked about loving people. And still, there's something inside of you that goes, yeah, I'm supposed to love people. Yeah, I'm supposed to love people. Because if you love Jesus, you're going to love people, right? Yeah. How are we going to love people? We got to serve. So this morning, we're, we're going to be a bit more practical than we've been the last, the last couple of weeks, which means you're going to be very quiet, And you're going to go, man, why is he always talking about this stuff? What's wrong with him? Now, I know, I know that there are some legitimate reasons why some people are not able to serve. Some of you, you may only get to come to church once a month. I understand that. We're not trying, as, as a guy that used to work for me, he, I'd start talking to him about Jesus, and he'd go, oh, you're just putting the Padre on me. I'm not trying to put the Padre on you, okay? I'm just telling you, if we're gonna love Jesus, and that love for Jesus is gonna cause us to love people, if we're gonna love people, we've gotta serve people, right? Okay, so we are in John chapter 13. Starting in verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table. Let's stop right there for just a second. This is cause and effect. Jesus knew. It says he knew that God had given him authority. He knew he had come from God. He knew he was going back to God, so he got up. See, there was something going on in Jesus that caused him to do something. Does that make sense? You understand that? Okay, so because he knew he was from the Father, because he knew he was going back to the Father, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. You see, because Jesus knew who he was, because he knew who he belonged to, he served in the lowest way. So you need to understand that in those days, the lowest of the low... The lowest servant in the house, it was their job to wash the master's feet. It was their job to wash the feet of the people that that came to visit their master. The lowest of the low got to wash feet. But because Jesus knew who he was, he served in the lowest way. He washed feet. Now, going on in verse 6, it says, When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. You see, Peter didn't know who he was in Christ yet. So therefore, so therefore, he pushed back on serving. He didn't know who he was, so he protested serving. I'm going to tell you, if we don't know who we are in Christ, we'll fuss about serving. If we don't know who we are in Christ, we will fuss about serving. When we know who we are, it causes us to love God. It causes us to love people and it causes us to serve. It causes us to do something that expresses the heart that God has put inside of us. You see, the disciples had just been arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. Who would be the greatest in men's eyes? And Jesus was showing them how to be great in God's eyes. That was a good place to say amen. (laughs) And that's not the first time Jesus had had this kind of conversation with them. There was another time they were fussing about who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus said, Hey, you want to be the greatest? Be the servant of all. Jesus himself said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Now, in verse 12, it says, After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. He was saying, I am teacher, I am Lord. Because what I am doing, I'm sorry, I left off there and I messed myself up. Since I am your Lord and teacher, since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. Now, he didn't necessarily say, do what I've done. He said, do as I have done. He wasn't saying the only way to serve somebody is to wash your feet. He was saying serve. He was saying that I am master, I am Lord, therefore serve. Serve somebody. See, the disciples were amazed that Jesus, their leader, their rabbi, their Messiah, would stoop so low as to wash the feet of his servants See, the truth is that we will will only serve others to the extent that we are amazed that Jesus served us. Why do we stop serving? See, we come into this relationship usually with this, this passion for Jesus. Why? Because we were so broken. I was a complete mess. And his love just invited me in. And I was so passionate for Jesus when I I first got saved. But there's something about just sitting. There's something about just gathering that causes us to lose that amazement that he served me, that he loved me. And when I lose that amazement, when we lose that amazement, We lose that heart to serve. This morning's lesson is called Hang On to Serving. If you haven't figured out I'm talking about serving yet, you're a little slow. We want to have the heart of a servant. Someone once said, most people want to serve God, but only in an advisory capacity. We like to tell God what to do. All right, now over in Matthew Chapter 12, in verse 18, we're going to take the the meat of, of our lesson this morning from this one verse. It says, look at my servant, whom I have chosen. He's my beloved, who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. Now, let's break this down just a little bit. First of all, we see right here is a prophecy being fulfilled by Jesus. If you read the context of what's going on right here, it says that uh, Jesus is fulfilling what was spoken in Isaiah. Jesus fulfilled this prophecy. But do you know when a prophecy has been fulfilled, it is continually fulfilled? It is fulfilled forever. Do you understand that? Now, where is Jesus today? Some of you are going to say, "In yeah, my heart. <laughs> the Bible tells us that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, right? So who's Jesus on the earth today? We are. Okay? We are the representation of Jesus on the earth today. So if this scripture is still being fulfilled, who's it being fulfilled through? Us. There you go. So let's look at this. First of all, why? Do we serve? The scripture starts out by saying, look at my servant whom I have chosen. Just like Jesus, you've been chosen. Just like Jesus, you've been chosen. Ephesians tells us, for we are God's masterpiece. Say, I'm God's masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew. So, there's that word so again. Remember from, from before? No, they're going, what are you talking about? When we talked about before that Jesus knew who he was, so he did something. Right here again, it says that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So, there's a reason he created you new. It's so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Jesus has got a plan for you. God's got a plan for you. I'm letting you know right now, you may feel like you're so insignificant, but God saw you from the beginning of time. He said, I am waiting on that person. I'm waiting on that person for their time, and I've got a plan for them. God's already got a plan for you. Just like Jesus was chosen. You've been chosen. You've been chosen. The scripture goes on to say, he is my beloved just like Jesus, we are loved. Now, let me say that again. Just like Jesus. You hear the emphasis? Just like Jesus, we are loved. It's not a secondary love. It's not God said I love Jesus, and I kind of like these people down here. Just like Jesus, we are loved. We are loved in the same way by God as he loved Jesus. And if you don't believe that, I'm going to prove it to you. In John 17, Jesus prays this prayer. He prays for such perfect unity that the world will know that you love them as much as you love me. That's Jesus' prayer, that the world will know that the world will know that He loves them as much as He loves Jesus. Now I know that sometimes that's hard for us to swallow. Well, I hadn't been acting right lately. I hadn't been doing what God wants me to do lately. You sit in church long enough, you'll hear that God loves you. Well, I can kind of, I can kind of see that God loves me. But it's sometimes hard to swallow that God loves you, you, as much as he loves Jesus. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. And because he loves you, the scripture goes on to say, Who pleases me? That's not a question mark. He said, I love him and he pleases me. Just like Jesus, you please the Father. You may know lots of reasons why God shouldn't be pleased with you. We could probably all make a long list of why God should not be pleased with me. And you know what? You would be in such good company. You see, Moses stuttered. David's armor didn't fit. Missionary work was too hard for Mark, so he quit. Timothy was so nervous that he made himself sick. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Solomon was too young. Abraham was too old, and David was too young. Peter denied that he even knew him. John was self-righteous. Lazarus was dead. Paul was a murderer, and so was Moses. Jonah ran from God. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. Jeremiah was depressed. Elijah was burned out, and Martha was stressed out. Noah got so drunk, he pulled all his clothes off. Did I mention that Moses had a temper? So did Samson, Peter, James, and John, Remember those sons of thunder? We think about John, the apostle of love. Well, before he knew who he was in Christ Jesus, Jesus called him and his brother the sons of thunder. Why? Because they go, hey, Jesus, you want us to call down fire from heaven on them? That sounds like the apostle of love, doesn't it? And these are just a few of God's messed up miracles. You see, God doesn't require perfection before he uses you. He doesn't require a job interview because he's not planning on firing you, even if you deserve it. You see, he's our dad, not just our boss. He's not prejudiced or partial. He's not judging or begrudging or sassy. He's pleased with you. He's not ashamed and disappointed in you. So, stop being disappointed in yourself. Let your Jesus freak flag fly. Okay? And when you begin to know who you are in Christ Jesus, you will know why we serve. So, the second, how do we serve? Going back to Matthew 18. I'm sorry, Matthew 12, 18, it says, I will put my spirit upon him. We serve in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When we serve, we are connecting with the calling and the ability of God in our lives. When we don't serve, we're ignoring the anointing that is on our lives. We also serve in humility. Philippians 2 Verses three through seven. Say, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something that he had to cling on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. He said we must have the same attitude. But sometimes our attitudes and our motives are out of whack, aren't they? So let's just do a little... Little compare and contrast here. Now we we as as we started this, this lesson series, you know, we've been talking about the difference between believers and disciples, and that's not always really sat well with me because you know why? Uh, to be a disciple, you gotta be a believer. You really do. But here's the problem as as believers, you know, sometimes we we come in and and we sit and we become acclimated to sitting. In fact, people know where we sit. At the EXO conference, Matt said it was weird because Lisa and I weren't sitting right here. That's where we always sit. That's my chair. Don't come in here. If I come in here and you're sitting in my chair, man, I'm going to call down fire from heaven on you. Right? Sometimes we sit so long, even though we're believers, even though there's something inside of us that wants to be a disciple, we sit so long and we just become church folk. So we're going to talk about church folk this morning. You see, church folks serve when they have a big role, but disciples don't see a difference between big and small roles. In other words, hey, you going to give me a title? You give me a title, I'll serve. But a disciple doesn't see big or small. In fact, a disciple knows that God said, if you're faithful with the small, I'll make you faithful over much. Church folk, their service requires personal recognition. Disciples are content with anonymity. Are you going to put me on the stage? Are you going to make sure everybody knows who I am? Hey, if you do that, I'll serve. But a disciple doesn't care whether they get glory from man or not because they know that God sees. Once again, scripture says that God sees what's done in private, and he'll broadcast it to the world. Church folk pick and choose whom to serve. Disciples don't discriminate. I'm called to be a a worship leader. Great. Children need some live worship. You think I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm called to take the word of God and break it down and teach it to the masses. Guess what? They need teachers in children's ministry. I can go all the way down the list. Whatever your calling is, they need it in children's ministry. (laughs) You know, just a few weeks ago, Lisa and I did children's church. And I told them, don't you dare go over, because if you go over, I'm going to let all those kids out. But you know why we did children's ministry? Because nobody else was there to do it. You see, they have four teams. Two teams were out of town. One of them was sick. The one was supposed to teach that morning got sick. And the other team had just served for the first time the week before. So there was Nobody. Children is not my sweet spot. It's not. And I know a lot of you are going to go, I don't like kids. Do you have kids? That's why you don't like kids. You don't like your kids. (laughs) But we serve where we're needed. In fact, that's the very next one. Church folks serve when it's convenient. Disciples serve faithfully because there's a need. Doesn't matter where, I just need to serve. Church folks, service is not community-minded. Disciple service is creates community. What do I mean by that? Uh, Kitty quoted our, our church vision this morning. We want to see people connect with God, connect with others, and create community. And how do we do that? By seeing people saved, discipled, and serving. We believe that when we serve, we are creating community. But see, church folk don't see it that way. They're not really concerned about the community. But a disciple knows that we're building community. What do I mean by community? That means that when I was in Children's Church a few weeks ago, instead of saying, hey, those 20 kids just have to sit in the service, we did that. Why? So mom and dad could sit in here. We're creating community. When someone's standing at that front door, greeting, we're creating community. When somebody, a barista, hands you a donut and coffee, we are creating community. We're removing excuses, and we're building up trust with people. Last one, church folks, their service is temporary. Yeah, I'll help you out right now, but don't expect me to be here next week. Disciples, Their service is a lifestyle. Their service is a lifestyle. Okay. I'm getting long winded, so. Number three, who do we serve? I'm I'm skipping a story. I know, everybody goes, oh, we don't want to hear you preach, we just want to hear your stupid stories. Who do we serve? Back to Matthew 12, 18, the end of it says, he will proclaim justice to the nations. When we serve, we're removing obstacles from God's justice invading people's lives. I know sometimes we think of justice as a bad thing. Oh, the cops pulled you over, that's justice. No, people are bound by the enemy and God's justice is his love setting them free. So when we serve, we're partnering with God to see his justice done in people's lives. We're proclaiming the good news through our serving. We're proclaiming that Jesus loves you through our serving. And we serve everyone in any way possible. Last scripture, 1 Corinthians 9 19 through 20, and this one's out of the the Message Bible. says, even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, the religious and the non-religious, the meticulous moralist and the loose-living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, Whoever. Whoever. Guess what? You're free. He said, I'm free from the demands and expectations of everybody. Guess what? You're free from my expectations. I'll talk about you later. But you're free from my expectations. You don't have to do anything because I want you to. But Paul said, I got free from people. Now I'm connected to God's expectations. I voluntarily became a servant and a servant to everybody, not just the ones that I like, not just the ones, as as Kenny was talking about earlier, that are like me. Y'all didn't hear that because that was in our VIP, so never mind. It's not just those that are like me. It's anybody and everybody, and every place of service is important. Every place of service is important. 16 years ago, Lisa and I came to this church. We had been in ministry. We had actually been uh, the senior pastors of a church, didn't go well. We got hurt. had been out of church for about five years. But we came to this church and we connected because of the acceptance and the love that's here. And we hadn't been in the church very long before we said, We need to do something. And I wasn't looking for a platform. I wasn't looking for ministry. In fact, I never really thought I'd ever be back in ministry. But we went to Pastor Sam, and we said, we just want to do something. And he said, you want to do something? Yeah. He said, we need somebody to clean the bathrooms. We need somebody to clean the church. There was a couple of other other families that, that, that were doing it, and they were getting worn out. So my first place of ministry at New Covenant Church was cleaning bathrooms. And for all you men that missed the, the, the urinal, I'm not happy with you. <laughs> not long after that, there was a need for a junior high ministry. Now, I'm 35 years old. I have been the, the, the senior pastor of a church. But they needed somebody to hang out with middle school kids. So we did it. For five years, we did it. And after five years, there was an opportunity to take over the whole youth group. And we became the youth pastors. Ryan Bolin sitting right back there. He was with with me in junior high ministry all through high school. Still hadn't run him off, he still comes back. So we took over the youth man at 40 years old. All my friends are pastoring. All my friends are missionaries. Everybody I went to Bible school with, they're doing important things, and I'm hanging out with a bunch of knuckleheaded teenagers. Why? Because there was a need. We did that for seven years. Then I was actually uh, talking to a church about becoming their pastor, but I just didn't feel like it was Right? And Pastor Sam came to me and he said, If you'll stay, we're going to create a position for you called executive pastor. And I go, Well, what's the job description? He said, All of the above. Anything that needs to be done, you will do it. I, think I, I said, I think that's called youth pastor. I'm moving out of that one. A couple of years later, Pastor Sam came and he said, I'm not always going to be the senior pastor of this church. He said, I want you to be the next guy. He said, Would you step up and co pastor this church with me? Would you lead our our staff and our serving teams and then share the pulpit with me? I said, Yeah. I'm standing here this morning. I'm standing here, fantastic communicator, and everybody's sitting on the edge of their chairs. I'm standing here this morning because 16 years ago I was willing to clean the toilets. And God saw it. God sees our heart. He promotes because of our heart. He brings us into places of passion when we're faithful to serve in places that I'm not so passionate about. There's my granddaughter screaming out there. If y'all heard that, that's my granddaughter. What do I want you to know? I want you to know that saved people serve people. I want you to know that disciples know who they are in Christ Jesus, and they're in the kingdom to serve the king. I want you to know that your gifts and your talents, they're necessary and they're useful here at at NCC. So what do I want you to do? I want you to set aside excuses, because we've all got them, we've all got them. Let's set aside excuses And partner with God to move the kingdom forward. You see, last year there was a prophecy that went forth over this church. That said that the Lord was gonna, gonna start a revival in East Texas and He wanted to use New Covenant as a catalyst for what he wanted to do in East Texas. And that sounds great, doesn't it? Once again, woo-hoo. But I'm really concerned. How's God going to start a revival when we can't even staff the children's ministry? I want revival. Don't get me wrong. I want to see God do some amazing things. And I know God can fix anything just like that. But I want to be prepared. Right? Right? We routinely have 50, 60 kids back there in those four rooms. We need help. And I'm not just hammering just on children's ministry. I'm just telling you where where there is a a great need and it's the part of the church that's growing the fastest. Because you people won't stop having babies. So let's set aside our excuses and partner with God to move the kingdom forward. Ask where you can serve ask me ask Pastor Roger ask JB if he was here where you can serve there is some place that you can serve in this church and then when you find it serve with passion I know you may say, Well, I, 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 how am I supposed to get passionate about opening a front door for somebody? Don't get passionate about the door. That could be kind of odd. Be passionate about doing it for Jesus. Be passionate about it. Can you pray with me this morning? Lord, We want to be in the kingdom for such a time as this. Lord, you saw from eternity past when we would be most effective here on the earth, and you put us here. Lord, I know that life comes and life happens, and we get distracted Lord there are jobs there are kids there are families there are so many things that we have to do I've got to get my kids to basketball got to get my kids to soccer got to get them get them to gym to dance all those kinds of things Lord we're just so busy but Lord help us look beyond our needs and see the needs of the kingdom see the needs of others see the needs of that single mom coming in and the only time during the week as we've been told that she gets to sit and not have her kids crawling all over is when she puts them in the children's ministry and she gets to sit in here and just soak in the presence of Jesus. Lord, if there's something in our heart that wants us to push away from serving, heal us, we repent. We think differently. We choose to serve because there's a need. We choose to serve because it's the right thing to do. We choose to serve so we can show how much we love you and how much we love people. And we do it for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now let me say one last thing before I bring Pastor Roger up here. If I was preaching a salvation message, we would give an altar call and let people come down for salvation. Since I just preached on serving, there's a table sitting right out here that you can stop by and see how you can help. Okay, you got to walk past it. It's right by the front door. So, you know, you're going to have to put your hand up like this and walk out if you're not going to talk to them. All right. So somebody may say that's manipulation. Well, maybe it is. We just want to see the kingdom advance. Amen. Thank you.